Welcome to PEV Lane. The show all about PEVs. My name is Hanson. And my name is Brett, also known as E-Rider A. Uh, today we have hopefully a quite informative episode for everyone. We're going to talk about batteries a little bit, aren't we, Hanson? A little chemistry lesson? Yeah, hopefully. Uh, a lot of research we've been doing, uh, everything from like best practices to, you know, what could happen or how things are made. So we're going to go through batteries and different PEVs today and just kind of break down I think the main thing people take away is best practices, but there's good just understanding of, you know, what batteries are and, and how they're kind of made, I guess, in a way. Yeah. So hopefully everyone will come away from this episode with a bit better of an understanding of what powers your PEV. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. But first, shall we jump into this week? Certainly. So I guess shout out first to Voltaic Wanderlust. Yes. AKA Dan. Um, yes who was the winner of our giveaway last week. Yeah, we had the pleasure of meeting him. We asked if he was willing, because he ended up being somewhat local to the GTA. So we asked if he was willing to come over and... Hopefully maybe we'll throw up a photo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and just hearing his story about how he's waiting for his EUC to arrive and he has everything but the shoes and he was just looking for shoes and it was just, it was perfect timing, so... Yeah, so he'll, he'll have a bit of time before he breaks those shoes in, but I'm excited mm -hmm. to hear his thoughts once he gets his EUC and he starts riding with them. Yeah. So congrats again to you, Dan. And uh, we're happy to be able to provide something back to the community. And uh, thanks for watching. Yeah. I mean, personally, it was great just to like physically, you know, we said in the first few episodes that like we wanted to give back to the people. We want to do good. And just to sit down with Dan and to give him the shoes and actually have that experience of giving back to the community. It was just like a wholesome moment. Like, ah, oh, we're doing good here. Felt good. Yeah. So thanks, Dan. <laughs> it worked out and thank you kinetic dl for helping us uh with all of that as well so uh, maybe we'll be taking some more sponsorships and stuff in the future and we'll let you know if we're paid for those things just like we let you know that we weren't paid for the kinetic dl stuff so yes sir are we ready uh let's talk some batteries yeah it sounds good all right, so um, we have a list here. We did some research and we tried to be quite informative if we can. Uh, and we're just gonna go over basically the batteries that are in our PEVs, right? Um, and the biggest thing to point out is now we use uh, lithium ion for the most part. Now that wasn't always the battery and we've actually, maybe later on we'll start talking about different types of batteries, but we're dealing a lot with lithium ion batteries. Yeah, I think lithium ion has become the kind of status quo i guess mm -hmm. of uh batteries that you'll find within pevs there are still some with nmc cells or lead acid style <laughs> batteries <laughs> which is crazy even older to think about yeah so but we the other one we're thinking about was like the phosphate right yes that we started seeing which is a, still a type of lithium but it's mixed with a different mm -hmm. it's not a lithium ion it's lithium phosphate or yeah 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 so um i guess we can start of going in let's talk about the cells themselves kind of we know the brands who make them and then how they eventually make their way like because these cells are using teslas too how they make their way into pevs that we ride um so i think there's the three main companies that provide most of the cells and then there's probably a couple others that we've mentioned as well especially with the latest gutway stuff that's been going on too we've really been getting into batteries um but we're looking at uh panasonic sanyo panasonic uh, samsung and lg yeah i think those are the main three and one thing i noticed online when looking at some of this battery stuff which i found interesting was 
people saying avoid any battery cells that come from a company with the word fire in them and you may what be you asking mean? what do you yeah exactly okay <laughs> so there's a few companies uh from china and different areas of the globe that are called like ultra fire or like something with the word fire in their name and they're How basically <laughs> they're basically just reselling uh recertified batteries or like batteries that didn't make the cut from lg samsung it seems like a weird giveaway panasonic like fire like hmm, like maybe the capacity know. wasn't as good or the voltage was not as didn't meet their minimum specs and then they kind of donate those so the same thing happens in computers with like displays uh, you have like different grade displays from samsung for example and they'll make like grade A and those will be the best displays and Apple will buy all of those and then any lower tier displays will go to other phone manufacturers oh, at a different okay. price. Same thing with batteries. They're not all perfect, right? I guess, yeah, true. So you have these companies that resell these batteries under their own brand and you can still get maybe a good sell, but basically everyone's just like avoid these because you're probably getting a bad tier battery sell. <laughs> Jeez. Now, um, ever since we kind of stepped into the lithium ion dominant space in the pv world there's been a couple of cell types from these companies and it seems like these companies all make this specific type of battery if it's the which we'll talk about the 18650 or the 21700 yes um, and there's different versions of each by each company too which kind of i guess i didn't know as much when we started researching this but to come to find out that like all these other ones that we've been you know learning about like the the 50e the 40t the p42 they're like oh they're all 21700s yeah so for those of you who don't know what we're talking about mm -hmm. um these cell types which um are numbered essentially so yeah. 18 650 uh 21700 those numbers are literally like the diameters of the cell itself yeah, it's crazy how so, it correlates so Yeah, perfectly. like the height and the width or whatever. That was the intention. <laughs> um, so if it's a smaller number, it's going to be a smaller cell. And most people have probably seen 18650s because those are like globally everywhere. They're in phone uh, power banks. They're in they're in Teslas. Very they're, readily They're accessible. in lots of PVs and they're, they're everywhere. Yeah, so a lot of people make them. And then newer in the last few years are the 21700s which is just a larger cell size. If you which, take the number 18, 21. Yeah, exactly. So 18 is the first measurement and then 21 and then 700 versus 650. Mm -hmm. um, so it's slightly larger in all kind of dimensions, uh, which gives you more capacity and more output voltage potentially. Yeah, so when I started in the Eastgate world, and I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, audience, uh, that boosteds were made with 18650s. And um, I was kind of part of the 18650 crowd. And then this whole idea of 21700s came around. They were expensive. You kind of had to invest to put them into something if you weren't buying something new. Yeah. They already have it in there. But now we look at, you know, we're in 2022 now. And, and uh, a lot of people, if not everyone, is going straight 21700s. And then you find a few things are made with 18650s. Yeah. And I, I will say that 18650s aren't going anywhere because they're literally yeah. physically smaller. Yeah. There's certain cases where you have to use them. Yeah. Right. So like if you want to use some sort of smaller case and it's just like four cells in series or uh, four S two P or something. Well, I also you'll think take up less space if you do eighteen six fifty than you would with the twenty one seven hundreds. It's very true, and that's one thing that's really prevalent in uh, Eastgate culture because yes. you're working with an enclosure, and then some and people you're top mount as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll talk about parallel and series and those things in a little bit here, but. Um, 
which is how they put a battery on top and at the bottom but essentially and it's in e-scooters too same idea with an enclosure you only have limited space before you're literally bottoming out on the on the exactly device. exactly right so so um, you'll still see those cells um 18650s come in handy exactly but and they're but great. likely There's like you said wrong. most of the newer pvs especially eucs and the larger ones are all using the larger batteries because they have a lot a lot more room to yeah. accommodate those cells so why not get a higher capacity higher and especially with the uc something with a single motor <clears throat> sorry excuse me a single motor that could just um, go out at any moment, and it's not like the device is going to keep up. Like it's not you're going down, right? So it's good to have that extra room to play with, especially with the UCs. For sure, I think we should also maybe touch a bit on the actual um, cells themselves. So you mentioned the BMS and the build, um, and we we quickly mentioned the the different companies who make batteries. Mm -hmm. So we have you know Panasonic, Sanyo, LG, Samsung. Uh, but within those companies, they each make different cells at the same size. And that like you, of the 21700. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned it quickly, the 50E, the 40T, Mala cell we talked about. So within one size of battery cell, like 21700, these companies, some of them make multiple versions of a, that size battery. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're for different purposes. Right, so you have within Samsung, I believe they have the 40T and they have the 50E. Mm -hmm. um, I'm probably gonna mix up which is which, uh, but the key thing to kind of understand is that the design of the battery uh, is that there's different internal resistance within those batteries, which allows for like a different discharge rate throughout the um, entire voltage of the battery. Because mm -hmm. from what I understand, the voltage remains the same. But there's different things like output, correct? Slight differences. So like the total nominal voltage or like charged voltage is typically I think four point two, at the high end when yeah, they're charged like it's up. Yeah, between like three cell. and five, like it's right in. Yeah, it's not and very so high. when it drains down to like the whatever the lowest point is, you have a different discharge rate, right? And you also hear that commonly in PV space, known as SEG. Yes. Right. So a lot of different UCs and scooters, skateboards. They have sag, and that's when the, like the battery has less voltage. It's also outputting less amperage, so like less power is being pushed out of those cells because it's not capable. It's not capable of as doing capable it. as it was when it had exactly. A so there's yeah. the reason they have these different cells between like 50E and 40T is to provide um, the battery makers with the ability to continuously have a certain discharge rate over the spectrum of like the entire voltage range that that battery can go through. Mm, so yes. typically if you want a higher discharge, you'll have a lower capacity, mm -hmm. like the overall capacity in milliamp hours will go from, I don't know, I'm going to use random numbers, say 3,500 milliamp hours to 3000 milliamp hours. So you might lose like 500 milliamp hours between those two different cells. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just the main key thing to understand. I think is that, you can have one cell size, but there's very different levels of quality and specific specs within those batteries that will actually dictate the performance of your PEV. 
Yeah, and on a lower end, like if you're just kind of cruising with these things, you might not notice much of a difference, but mm -hmm. it's when you use these cells to their extent, you really notice yeah. a difference. When you're like, pulling oh. all the power that they can give, yeah, like that's I, when you'll start to notice it. Yeah, like at first I was racing at ERL with a cruiser board and it had an ESC on there that was tuned for cruising, not acceleration. And then you go to a battery with these bigger, better cells or different types of cells that provide this acceleration paired with a, a better ESC. It's quite the difference. Yeah, sir, yeah, for sure. And uh, it's interesting to me as well because you kind of have that trade-off between the capacity of the cell and the performance of the cell. Mm -hmm. Is so, it? Can you have both? Well, yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll get to a point. You put in soon. more batteries, right? Yeah, <laughs> you end up having to build up like a bigger pack basically yeah. to get that and it is kind of possible but i'm sure there's new tech coming out soon with batteries that will make that in a smaller package that's very doable for yep. like you look at what tesla's making or a larger like, cell but yeah maybe it has a lot more power throughout the range and yeah which would make our situation even harder to, mm -hmm. to manage right with these small pev kind of enclosures and spaces exactly where you put in shells and if you need a certain number of them to reach a certain voltage you're going to be challenged in fitting them in that small space yeah so i mean so um, maybe let's go back. You were talking about. I mean, spot welds is one spot thing. Spot welds, that's basically. And so like, why are you why are you spot welding them though? Pardon? Should, wh why are we spot welding batteries together? Um, because that's the best way of doing it. Okay, that's just what I know. No, so I mean, like, just <laughs> <laughs> like to be honest, like I'm not a I'm no, not a I, tech, so I don't know this, and you're not a tech, so exactly, you, right? So. We're kind of, as we're doing our research and we, and I knew that, right. Like yes. when we were looking, how do we, you know, how are the packs made? I'm like, well, let's look into spot welding and how that's, how that's done. Cause I know that's kind of the thing. Right. But yes, I'm also aware spot welding is apparently the best form of welding the batteries together. And you have to use, I think nickel plate. Nickel, there can be nickel involved. As, I mean, nickel connection. People. They're like thin strips of nickel that you put yeah, I don't between the battery cells and you spot weld those to the cell. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe I guess our intention in talking like this the way we are now is that the people can correct us and actually tell us what's going on. We did a little bit of research, but there's a lot of other stuff we're going to talk about, too. So, I mean, we raised yeah. that question to you as well. What is the best way to put together in a PEV battery? Maybe that could be a question. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I guess what I was getting at is why are we welding cells in the first place? Because like, we want to make sure that they like we throw these things around and they do get bashed around. So we got to make sure that when we put these together, they're going to stay together. Yes. Through anything. And that's why I think a lot of companies are kind of shying away from it a little bit. But a lot of these companies were wrapping their batteries even more so to keep them together and intact. <clears throat> but are and, we uh, just welding two cells together? No, series and parallel. Is that what you're getting at? There you go. Oh, my gosh. Eventually, <laughs> we're going to get there. Um, all right. So, yeah, we have at the end of the day, you have to make a pack with a certain amount of voltage and you're looking, you know, for different specs and different things. Right. So I'll, I'll kind of start with my perspective and what I have. And that's is that is with Eastgate because with the UC, it's kind of like stock. It's in there. It's I, I don't know it as well, but when you have um, an e-skate it's very much related to your distance and your speed so i know if i have something at 10s or 12s which is an in series which we'll talk about um, the 10s will be slower than in acceleration than the 12s the 12s will give out more torque it's in that series will, is where you're going to get your torque parallel so say it was a 2p or a 3p i could easily just say it gets 20 or 30 kilometers right so like say if it was a I mean, that kind of changes with the 12 and the 10, of course, but 
it's a good general rule with kilometers. You can get a rough idea. So the parallel would then give you the range. So when you're looking to build a battery, um, it depends on what kind of ride you want. And if you end up going with a 10S, like an 8P, then you can go like really, really far. You're not going fast or accelerating fast, but it'll get you far. Where if you go with like a 12S 8P, that's a huge big board and you're gonna still have torque while doing that same And for, for those of you who might not understand what we're talking about when we say 10S 2P or 12S, uh, yes. Series and parallel are the two letters that Brett mentioned, but the number itself is literally just how many individual small cells are in that pack. Yeah, that so may be obvious, but if, if you weren't aware, then it yeah. might also not be obvious. Yeah, so to make sense of all that, say, let's, for example, say it was a 12S 4P, right? You would have 12 battery cells in series, and then you would have another three set of 12 to make the four. So you'd have 12, 12, 12, 12, yes. 12 S, 12 in series, and there's four in parallel, making that all together. And that right? forms one pack or potentially two, depending on how it's laid out. Yeah, and and in eSkate too, there's flexi packs. Yes, exactly. With different, you know, four or five different compartments, maybe even more, um, where they have to split those up and wire it through. Yeah, right? yeah. And now, through our research, we could talk about other PVs well. Like I thought that was pretty standard. Like you have to have an S, you have to have a P, and you know you have to have you ha there has to be ones in series or in parallel. You can't just have a straight series device. And then I've come to find out uh, pretty quickly that that's not the case. Yeah, I think <laughs> really what it comes down to in the end is um, the voltage and the capacity, I guess. And I guess the amp hours. Some people go by amp hours. Yeah. Um, that Which you I'm want still to kind of getting used to too, because yeah. I like to be simplistic. But yes, the scooter space, I think a lot is talking in amp hours. Um, but basically, the the series and the parallel is dictates how much um, voltage you're going to have. Like the series, how many cells in series you have. Yeah, because you're adding dictate, up numbers, right? You just add up the the nominal voltage of each cell. And whatever you get to at the end, hopefully I'm not making a mistake here, uh, <laughs> is the, the voltage of that pack. So you don't necessarily need parallel because parallel is just expanding the capacity. So it's like doubling your capacity from 1P to 2P. Yeah, because I was saying it gives you at range. the same voltage, exactly. Yeah, Which so is why in the eSkate world, uh, you associated parallel with range because mm -hmm. you get more capacity. And the voltage of those packs needs to all be the same. Yeah. So that they can work together and the ESC can keep that voltage. Same thing goes with uh, EUCs. And we have 100 volt wheels now. In Gotway wheels, for example, uh, you have these 900 watt hour packs that Gotway is pretty much using in all their wheels, except for like the new master, mm -hmm. which has a higher voltage. And that's for simplicity for their sake, right? They can make these packs all the same. They're all 900 watt hour, 100 make all these volt, different models. Yeah, 100 volt packs, and basically you just add them together, um, and you get more range. Right, you put them you in parallel. RS has two packs. Exactly. You have an EXM with three packs. Monster you have a Monster Pro, Pro with four, with four, packs. four packs. Exactly. Right. EX20S. They're four all in packs. series. There's not a single parallel. In each pack, my understanding is it's a series pack in order to get it to that 100 volts, right? Because yeah. you would have to take. 100 volts divide that by however the nominal voltage of a cell is and that would give you how many cells are in series to reach that 100 volt yeah. and then i think if you take that number and you multiply it by how many milliamp hours each cell is you'll reach that 900 watt hour rating 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's how like it, there's no parallel is my understanding. It's just like 26, 27 batteries all in series added mm-hmm. up to to that and 100 volt. From my volt. escape perspective, I'm thinking, wow, that's so that's kind of nuts or something. Yeah, but it and, you know it could totally, totally, absolutely make sense, right? Yes. And if you know more about that, please, this is definitely an episode where we're looking for comments yep. and for people to to educate us as well because you know we want to know what we ride and we want to do episodes where yeah, we I haven't learn. torn apart a battery. I'm just going purely based on you know this is very much a rider's perspective. Yeah, like right? doing some basic math based on the voltages of. Yeah, and maybe we can even expand on this idea when we get a tech on the show, you know, and we start talking about the insides of how these how things work. How the soldering work. works, the BMS. Yeah, yeah. What, it, what is an ES? <clears throat> wow, I have this phlegm today in this episode. <laughs> Sorry about that. How an ESC works and how, or an electric speed controller, which is connected to the battery and the BMS, which is a battery management system. Mm-hmm. So after we have all these kind of packs that are made, do we want to move on to what those things are and how they work? with the battery yeah i think that makes sense the so once you have your battery made into a pack whether it's multiple packs or one you have those in your pv those have to talk to something yeah in order to be charged discharged and also you know power your pv yeah so those if you've noticed on the inside of pvs it's not just battery there's other things in there and you have to make room for these things Uh, and that's kind of we're still on the topic of batteries because I want to talk about e-bikes as well. You got to kind of work them in the framework of the bike a lot of the time. So yes. you have to get very creative. Like you said, with those, those they use all packs. smaller cells. I was watching a yeah. guy on a ride just recently and he had a see-through bike and I was looking at his welds and I'm like, man, I'm thankful I'm not a technician because I don't know how you did that. Yeah. in a crazy shape to like yeah, wrap and there's around like the different packs of different, but they'd all worked out in the end of mm-hmm. different amount of cells and they're all the same amount of voltage and ah, ah incredible how they do that but at the end of the day there's also more parts in there and let's just quickly talk about what an uh, a bms is which is important to the battery very much so um and simply a bms takes the information or i guess is the information because it takes all the energy from the battery and dictates how much is going out and how much is going in how much is discharged and how much is charged into the battery for each individual cell yeah and so it manages to, each cell within the pack, right? It has to be specific to what it's doing, and it 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 basically makes sure that the battery works properly. Yeah, battery management system. Yeah, and the BMSs are typically for certain voltages as well, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a different voltage battery, you're going to need a new BMS that can control that voltage mm-hmm. across all the battery cells, uh, and ensure that it charges correctly up to that voltage, discharges to the correct voltage, etc. I mean, and a little bit here, we'll also talk about um, how mistakes can possibly happen as well. And there are ways around this possibly where you can have a modded BMS that could, you know, could be used the same in different voltages, maybe a tweak or something that can be done. But that also will get into or why un- you shouldn't do that. Unbalanced packs and so forth. Yeah. I mean, these are volatile things and things, you know, fires can happen and whatnot. Um, so maybe i don't know do you want to get right into that i guess but um but we did mention there's an esc as well usually in there and that's an electronic speed controller and that just basically it takes the information from the bms that it's getting or i guess it tells the bms hey this is how much i need and the bms will go okay i can do that and it gives it to the speed controller and that's how fast everything will move now i didn't really think about an esc until 
Um, I really wanted to get more power, like when I wanted to race and stuff like that, because I thought, oh, it's you know, it's just another stock component that comes with the PEV. But when you get a really high-end ESC and you want to draw a lot of power from that battery, you want to make sure that it's a good ESC, because if that ESC fails, then it could also become a problem for your battery as well. So um, that's a little bit further down the line from the battery, but also very, um, very important on how much it can draw from that battery. Yeah, and I think there's definitely, I mean, ESC is what electronic speed controller. Yep. Yeah. So within like the scooter space, a lot of people call it just a controller. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Which is essentially it's also like the the motherboard or the brains of yeah, the you, of the PEV. Yeah. Electric um, speed controller or speed controller or controller. Yeah. Or the PCB. Like so, I know in electric unicycles, um, the entire motherboard which houses like different components is like the pcb is everything right that's mm -hmm. your that's your speed controller um and it dictates the input output on there yeah exactly it allows you to charge and connect to the bms uh, and it dictates how much power is being sent to the motor mm -hmm. uh, and it also talks to the motor with all the hall sensors to determine like where the motor is um how fast it's going yeah are you accelerating or braking etc now, you did mention one thing in the middle of there, and I want to mention mm -hmm. um, how these PEVs charge because I kind of found something out that's crazy that I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, the battery, you just have a charge port and it just goes to the battery. And you're like, no, a lot of unicycles, they actually go through the motherboard first before uh, the charge port essentially goes through the motherboard before it goes to the battery. And I'm like, oh, but on a Gotway, they're like, no, it goes straight to the battery on a Gotway. Or yeah. up a goat, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's true, and for that's, that's why that's why in uh, Gotway wheels you have live charge ports, right? Like the five-pin port in the top of the wheel, or wherever you want to be careful not to drop a piece of metal in there or connect two of those pins together. I mean, two of the wrong pins together. Yeah, <laughs> because those are active ports uh, because they're wired directly to the battery because the battery packs in those wheels have their own BMS. Yeah. Right. So the BMS for those packs is built into the pack itself. Mm -hmm. You don't have the it's BMS the on the motherboard or somewhere else. Exactly. That's way which is actually pretty common sometimes. in most. Yeah, it's pretty common yeah. that you have the BMS like built into the, the pack itself because it's typically like a flat PCB. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you have a casing and then all the cells are wired into that uh, BMS one at a time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of work that goes into that. Yeah, but then wheels like InMotion and Kingsong, they direct the current first through their controller, motherboard, whatever you want to call it, PCB, the brains of the wheel, and they manage... It's just logic, though. Yeah, they, they, that allows you to have Bluetooth enabled, different components of the wheel turned on when it's charging, which allows you to monitor the charging um, right more easily. Yeah, and it also it. controls kind of ensures that you're charging it at the right speed and safety and all that sort of thing they can put fuses which now gotway i believe does have fuses in line in between the pack and the charging yeah um for overcurrent and whatnot luckily um, that yeah wasn't the but case that was that time. was not the case previously right like maybe as of last year that's a new uh, mm -hmm. addition to their battery packs yeah so i mean there's there's things and that's all kind of stock right and i maybe we should just move quickly in because we're you know we're catching up in a half an hour on this episode already but um mm -hmm. let's go straight into like 
not the manufacturer things, but sometimes like mods can cause a lot of issues, fires, misuse, neglect, not cleaning your stuff, letting rust and corrosion become an issue. Yeah, there's you a know, lot of things to consider. All of these things is great. Like it's kind of complicated how these things come together. So in that respect, when you don't take care of it is when you start to see these crazy things that make people scared of batteries. Yeah, and it's interesting because with different battery types over time, I know now mostly everything's lithium-ion, but the way that you um, charge, store, maintain your battery, over time that has kind of changed as well. Um, so I know still within the motorcycle space, for example, in vehicles, there's a main battery that allows your ignition to start the bike and like the control big, the computer, the big square oh battery yeah, in the, the two yeah, right? terminals on top. Yeah. So that battery in most bikes is still lead acid, right? So I've got a lead acid battery. It's crazy to say out loud. Yeah. Like now in you literally fill it up. Acid. Yeah. It's filled up either at the factory at your dealer with like the acid and then that creates a reaction. But the maintenance of those types of batteries is very different than a lithium ion. And you can also now buy lithium ion batteries for motorcycles, which are like half the weight as well, by the way, oh, wow. of yeah, the lead yeah, acid yeah. ones. That makes um, sense because of yeah. what's inside of the lead acid and ones. And the way that you store and kind of manage those is a lot different. Like I, myself, in the winter, for example, you have a what's called a trickle charger, which to provides sure a little kill. bit of electricity to that lead acid battery because if it's not being charged or... Um, charged up and drained a little bit then it corrodes there's it, it becomes stagnant becomes stagnant and the battery will actually die and no longer charge or give you any output and so That's it's easy good. to kill those batteries if you're not using them for a long period of time yeah and in our research too you were talking about how lithium ions better because a lot of other ones like when they die they die and they're done exactly right like sometimes you can revive and bring back a, a pack by individually charging cells back up but like and if you're you dealing store with a big yep. thing and the whole lead acid you know whatever the situation is it's done like yeah. it's done yeah you're not gonna be able to take it apart and fix it it's just it's one big component it's not multiple cells right yeah so yeah with the lithium ion storage also is a lot easier and i know there's a lot of best practices around keeping it in a cooler place they don't like mm -hmm. the heat obviously not too cold Oh, not super hot not super cold exactly right? keep it moderate moderate temperature and also keeping it between like i think 40 to 60 percent where there's the least amount of kind of resistance within the cell so it's yeah, not trying to discharge or exactly yeah so to have something like ready to fight at all at all times <laughs> probably isn't good right like yeah just you don't want that 100 percent charge stored for a long time yeah which i i do a lot volts. but like i'm always like i'm it's never sitting for more than 12 hours like i'm just out riding again yes um but so yeah some best practices we we're talking about uh bagode and how it goes straight into the battery. That's why if anyone's ever noticed if with a Bagode product, you have to turn on your charger first and bring the voltage and try to equal the voltages the best you can. That's why if your charger is not turned on and you go to plug it in, it'll spark. Yes, because right? the electricity jumps to yeah, that charger. Yeah, so what it's doing is you're bringing zero volts to 100 or 90, whatever you know your charge is at, so you're, that difference is zero to 90, where if you're bringing your charger that's on at 100, to 90 that's a difference of like 10 so you may even get a tiny little spark but it's not this i did it one yes. time and i like i nearly shot myself yeah so i think that's still the case for most pvs too not just gotways it's always just kind of better practice to plug in your charger into the wall first Match i think voltages yeah that way the voltage of the charger now is close to the voltage of your battery and then when you plug in to the battery it's it's fine there are like systems in place in certain devices that prevent any 
bad from happening regardless of which way you do it. Yeah. But if you just want to be safe, then that's like your best route. Yeah, exactly. So like also, you know, charging in a place like some people are forced to like you and I, where we have apartment or condo style living where we have to bring it up into our unit. But if you have an opportunity to charge something in a garage, I mean, it's not necessary, but it's definitely beneficial in the case that anything does happen. You know, it's like these things aren't perfect. You don't know exactly. You can't see those welds on a lot of these PVs, right? You don't know. Yeah, it's hard to inspect. I see people say like, oh, you should check your battery after this many kilometers. Like you can't really check it. You'd have to take apart the shrink wrap and look at each cell and know what you're looking for. Yeah, but I would have no idea what I'm looking for. Okay, but here we're talking smack a few minutes ago going, oh, people neglect and all this stuff. So what should we do? What what, anyone listening going, well, you're confusing me. What should I do then? Well, I think the key thing, depending on whatever PV you have, is know your charge voltage and make sure that when you fully charge your device that it reaches that balanced charge voltage. Mm-hmm. If you're not reaching that, then that's maybe an indication that one of the cells or multiple of the cells or the BMS or something within your pack is not doing its job properly. And that could mean that you have a corroded cell or a bad cell that's not fully charging. And then that's where the risk comes into play where you have an unbalanced pack. Yeah, that's a good way to know. And I think but, that's a good way to like... But to check. prevent all of this, I'm yes. saying like... If you get your wheel dirty or if it actually comes in contact with a decent amount of salt or something in the winter, mm-hmm. get used to wiping it down because yes. that stuff seeps in and ends up getting into the places where it shouldn't and causing problems, right? Um, and if you never have ever opened up your stuff, just talk to a friend or something. Be like, hey, are you able, are we possible, like, ECs are easier. You just unscrew and take off a shell, but like an yeah. e-scooter, maybe you could take off the face, the top. Uh, the the deck where you're standing, but other things like an enclosure on an e-skate, they're harder to get to, right? So yeah, for sure. Kind of just gotta trust that it's all right. But um, just like if it gets messy, or if you have like a big tumble or something, like maybe it's time to learn how to quickly take a look inside without ripping it entirely apart. Yep, doing some basic maintenance is definitely beneficial. And uh, like you said, if you have a friend or someone that can help you if you're not comfortable, I think that's a good option reach out to people in the community um currently it's still we're all still pretty new to this space with pvs Mm -hmm. and i think there's a lot of variances between the different types of pvs like you mentioned like eastgate taking it apart versus eucs much simpler um but definitely do some of that maintenance and you know charge your wheel yeah correctly and try not to drain your battery yeah i was gonna say as so low on, as it can go you know on that like i never really take any pev lower than 10 percent if i don't have to and if i do i'm not fast charging it to bring it back up i'll try to slow yes. charge it back yeah. up i always try to slow charge as many times as i can and i never charge overnight you know you don't want that volatility anything could happen it's probably fine with most models and it has a shut off feature right but um in the chance i do have to fast charge i know the next time I'm plugging in, if possible, I'm going to try to slow charge. It's just better for the battery, not put it through all that extra stress if you don't have to. Better for the BMS, too, if it's yeah. not, you know, rated for that high input amperage. And we have a great friend who is like, yeah, but I don't want to store it at like 100% and I want to ride. So anytime I want to ride, I'm like, oh, I'm always trying to fast charge so I can get a charge from 70 up to 90 or something so I can go out and ride. And it's like, well, 
what are the best practices for that, right? Like maybe you need to plan ahead somehow and charge yeah. and let it sit for eight, six, also, 10 hours. Also, I'm sure you're aware of this with your fast charger, but like that last, what is it, 10% on most batteries, typically you'll be limited in its balance. So yeah. you're not going to get the full speed of your charger at that point because the cells are all reaching that almost full point and they, the BMS will just not let you send that many amps into each cell. Yeah, so because, essentially, yeah. yeah, the way I see it is when you're charging, say, at 6 amps, all these cells can be at different levels, and that when it gets to the top and it says 100, it's working from 6 amps, then balancing down to 5, 4, 3, 2. And when I see it at that 6 amps at 100 volts, say, for a unicycle, those cells could be all inconsistent or all over the place because it's showing 100, but it's charging at 6 amps, right? Later on, it balances out, and you hope that... starts to drop down, yeah. Yeah, it drops down in amperage, and that's just the controller within the, the charger that's doing that. But yeah. it's making sure that those aren't really inconsistent and will slowly bring them up and level them out, right? So if you unplug at 6 amps, even though it's 100 volts, get used to letting it balance, you know, once or twice a month. And I, I feel like in the future, all of this will... Like, all of what we're saying will kind of be added into these these brains the computer systems <laughs> it's things we have right? to think about like things we're thinking about but i think in the future like if you look at a tesla that's a good point there's very little you have to take into concern when you're like oh do i need to balance this or charge it it yeah. does it all for you right yeah, there's no you best just plug it in you see people like go. i'm at one percent i need to find a supercharger yeah exactly <laughs> and yeah and how many times you and see they a tesla take all fire. those safety parts into consideration right like they're not going to let you drain the battery fully they have spare batteries sitting in the in the pack that aren't even activated unless necessary oh wow and redundancy. so they can redundancy exactly so yeah. they can detect like oh that's this pack or cell failed let's use this one yeah and they can pull in a new one um yeah and, and all that's just kind of i think comes from r&d and like better uh, investment and research around how we well, can build these packs and they want to know that it's going to be reliable. Exactly. It's a great product. How long it will last. Is, yeah. 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 So there's all of that. Um, and at the end of the day, what we ride aren't really on that caliber, that like, that level it's of stuff. It's getting there. It's getting there. But we're still having to, you know, just be aware of, you know, how these batteries operate and what's going on. So you do see these fires and stuff that happen. But oftentimes it's, you know, it was sitting around or, you know, you hear that 0.1% of all owners have a random story of like, yeah it just Maybe blew even up less than that but yeah. yeah it just blew up right but often it was like oh well i banged it up the week before i was like well maybe you did some battery damage there on that yeah bang. well i had a huge crash and uh, maybe one of your welds in your battery got or perfect. the or the bms got damaged or something yeah perfect example was hasang and his s22 exactly. where he's like i'll be honest with you i'll tell you the story that i hit a bicyclist and it did have a little bit of an impact and then it ended up blowing up a few days later. So I mean, it's definitely a possibility. I know even the Shermans, the Shermans initially, the first version of them, you know, you could damage the BMS and the battery packs just by applying pressure to the side of the wheel. Oops. Right. Yeah. So they had these, <laughs> they had these lines, the mold of the plastic on the inside, that were like slightly thicker. And when you would apply pressure, those lines would press into the BMS. Oh and just over time would potentially damage the PCB and just break the BMS those battery packs were dead. And they had some sort of fix where you like add, you, you had to shave down the inside of the, 
the side panel on the initial the quick fix v1s that was the quick fix was get rid of those lines shave it down on the inside and then they eventually added like reinforcements to stop the side panels from like on either side on either side create a bridge yeah right so there's little issues like that which is Mm. unexpected but you can damage your batteries in those ways yeah and that's i guess that's a quality of having a pv a smaller environment to to work all that stuff into it's like the first time i opened up an euc at least the right side of my rs i was like wow there's a lot left side i was like oh it's just the battery yeah i was like wow i was marveled by all the wiring and everything and then the other side i'm like why is this so simple just one pack (laughs) yeah so i mean at the end of the day they're great but they're also kind of volatile and if you do take a bump or something you know things can happen so you should inspect it best practices those are them there. Um, yeah. So hopefully, I mean, we've covered a lot in this episode, a lot of detail yeah. on different batteries and different PVs and how they use the different batteries and all the systems that control those batteries. Um, hopefully you guys learned something from us and yeah, hopefully you, we can learn something from you as well. Let us know if we made any mistakes please. in the comments or if you guys have anything to add. Um, I'm always interested. I, I loved watching videos like Wrongway did about Gotway's batteries and Mm. his discussions around those wheels and how he wasn't a fan initially and you know just in general all the different battery talk is it's what powers our pevs right and it's only going to evolve in the future so i find it very interesting to understand how those batteries are built and how they're powering those wheels yeah because it's like it's not super mainstream quite yet and like we're figuring these things out in these smaller communities and how these things works and then we sh- how these things work and then we share it with other communities as well right so it's not like they're like oh this is the way we do it it's like oh well one company does it like this one company exactly. does it like this and, lots oh that works and now they're all doing this and you know so at the end of the day it's it's a little bit more competitive and freelance and a little bit wild west out there. There's the that. custom world. We didn't even talk about that, but you know, you can build <laughs> custom batteries and yeah. Like, yeah. well, we talked a little bit with bikes having to work yeah, on exactly. the framework. Like they yeah. have to build anything that will work yep. with the amount of battery that they want to put in there. Right. Like, exactly. So, um, at, you know, it's crazy what you can build inside of a bike like that. But, um, yeah, best practices be safe. And if you, uh, if you have some of your best practices, put them in the comment section down below too, and maybe we'll pick up something. We're looking to be informed in this episode as well. So, um, oh yeah, we uh, we may have missed last week, but we appreciate you sticking in there and still keeping interest and and commenting and whatnot as well. So, thank you very much. We'll see you guys next week on PV Lane. Yeah, peace, peace out.